Today, uh, we are talking about uh, a subject that has been uh, on the forefront of my mind for uh, a couple of weeks, and I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna get too into um, why it's on this forefront uh, of my mind. Um, suffice it to say that God and I have been having a lot of conversations surrounding this, both in my life and in the lives of of, of some people around me, uh, and stuff like that. Um, we're going to be talking about greed today. How many of you in here would categorize yourself as greedy? Good, a couple of people are honest. You see, the thing is with greed that we often think about money, right? If I said this person's being greedy, the first thing you would think of is that they're trying to hoard money, get too much money, they don't share, they don't give from their, as my brother would say, you need to give from your heart. And I keep reminding him that the Bible's pretty clear that the heart is deceitful above all things and desperately wicked. So most people do give from their heart. It's just not a good place to give from. But that's a different sermon. Um, but the fact of the matter is that we often talk about greed in terms of money. And we are going to talk about that a little bit today. But I want to talk about the whole concept of greed. Because the fact of the matter is that all of us in here are greedy about something. The question is whether or not you have recognized it and whether or not you are actively fighting that in your life. And it very well might be money that you're greedy about. I'm not saying you can't be greedy about money. The reason we think about money first is because that is generally the thing we're most greedy about. But some of us have different things that we're greedy about. And I want to walk through that. Um, because as a church, as a Christian, we are called to stand against greed. We are called to be people that are, are giving of ourselves in so many different ways than just money. Let's talk about it. We're in Luke chapter 12, verses 13 through 21. This is a... Um, this whole passage is also found, uh, parts of it, I won't say the whole thing, parts of it are also found in Matthew um, and such, so it's, it's very similar in Matthew, but I liked the Luke one more because um, I'm a big fan of Luke. It's my favorite gospel. Uh, it's got the most detail of all the four gospels, so I like it the most because I'm a detailed person. Um, so that's why I chose it out of Luke. We're in Luke chapter 12, 13 through 21. It reads, someone in the crowd said to him, teacher... Tell my brother to divide the family inheritance with me. But he said to him, Man, who appointed me a judge or arbiter over you? Then he said to them, Beware and be on your guard against every form of greed. For not even when one has an abundance does his life consist of his possessions. And he told them a parable, saying, The land of a rich man was very productive. And he began reasoning to himself, saying, what shall I do since I have no place to store my crops? Then he said, this is what I will do. I will tear down my barns and build larger ones. And there I will store all my grain and my goods. And I will say to my soul, soul, you have many goods laid up for you for many years to come. Take your ease, eat, drink, and be merry. But God said to him, you fool, this very night your soul is required of you. And now who will own what you have prepared? So is the man who stores up treasure for himself and is not rich toward God. I told you that that concept of storing up treasures was going to come back around. Well, actually, it didn't come back around. These are before the verses I read this morning already. Let's talk about it. Number one on your note sheets, a warning. So somebody comes up to Jesus. This part's real, right? This part's not the parable. Somebody comes up to Jesus and goes, Hey, tell my brother to defy the family inheritance with me. 
It's not really an unreasonable request. You are related to each other. Obviously, a parent or both parents have passed away. And there's an inheritance to be parceled out. And he goes to Jesus, right? The wise guy, the smart guy. Tell him to do this. At first glance, it's really not unreasonable. Jesus' response, though, shows us the heart behind why this person was asking him to do this. He responds with, I'm not your judge or your arbiter in this case. And he's speaking very specifically because just as we have uh, an executor today of a will who will uh, make sure that parcels out the different things that are left in the will to the rest of the family and stuff like that, there would be a judge or an arbiter set in order to ensure that everybody in the family got their due, uh, their due rewards from a, 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 an inheritance. And Jesus says, I'm not that. Go talk to the person that is. But be on guard against every form of greed. Be on guard. Church, there's another verse in Scripture, uh, if memory serves correctly, it's in James, that says, be on guard, or be aware. The devil prowls around like a roaring lion, seeking whom he may devour. Be aware. Be on guard. This sentiment is littered throughout the New Testament. Why? For two very important reasons. One, we stink at being on guard. Unless we are actively trying to be on guard against something, we will fail miserably. We just will. So we need to be constantly reminded to be on guard. And secondly, you have to be on guard because you have an enemy who seeks to devour you. If you've accepted Christ as your Lord and Savior, he cannot devour your soul, right? He cannot drag you to hell or anything like that. Your soul is in the hand of God. So he can't have you there. He'll have as much of you on earth as he can, though. He'll take every last bit of you that he'd like to, that he can. It's a hard line to walk because the fact of the matter is that there's also another verse in Scripture that says, He who is in you is greater than he who is in the world. The Holy Spirit inside of you is far greater. Satan and God are not on equal playing fields. They are not the flips of the same coin or anything like that. God is God. Satan is a created being and has no power or authority. God does not allow him to have. He is more powerful than you. He's not more powerful than God who is in you, but he is more powerful than you. And when the problem becomes that we get, Satan likes to lull us to sleep. He'll let you defeat sin two, three, four, five, six times until you think that you've got a handle on it and you don't need to be on guard against it anymore. And that's when he strikes. He knows how we work better than you and I do. So we must Always be on guard or be alert, as Paul says. Be alert and on guard. Because you and I have an enemy who is very real and who is actively seeking to destroy every Christian that he can while God still allows him to. So you have to be on guard against every form. It's more than just money, right? Some of you in here might be uh, greedy when it comes to money. I'm very thankful that I was blessed. I was raised by two people who maybe they struggle with greed when it comes to money, but I've never really seen it. 
My family has always been about giving. We get extra, we give it. That's what we do. We're greedy about other things, but money has never had this hold over me that I'm like, it must, I, it's mine, I must have it. Money is a tool to be used to spread the gospel. Let me tell you um, about an area where I personally am very greedy, and it's an area God has worked in my life over the past roughly two and a half to three years. How many of you in here are married or have been married? Okay. Some of you that I know are married right now. Put your hands up when I said have been married. Is there something I don't know? No, just kidding. Okay. I'm speaking specifically to the husbands here. Okay. How many of you have a wife that sees something you have ordered and goes, I'd like some of that. I'm the only one? Okay, dad, to the back, good. As a young single man, I learned to very much order the things I wanted in the amount that I wanted them in. If I ordered a large french fry, that meant I wanted every single one of those large french fries, okay? If I order ice cream, right, one of my favorite items, I like to go to McDonald's and get a 10-piece nugget and an Oreo McFlurry and sit in my car and have a very enjoyable 10, 15, 20 minutes. It's great. I love it. Soft serve ice cream, which is my favorite kind of ice cream. Soft serve vanilla with Oreo mixed into it. Sublime. Fake chicken, because it's not real, and I'm okay that it's not real, but McDonald's makes the best chicken nugget you can buy, especially if they haven't been sitting out for an hour. When you get them nice and fresh out of the fryer and they're crispy, ooh, there's nothing better. In the chicken nugget world. There are things I like more than that, but in the chicken nugget world. So I got married and I ordered said thing with my wife in the car with me. Now, Maddie does not like chicken nuggets from McDonald's. She thinks they're disgusting. It's okay, some of us are just more cultured. However, comma, she does like Oreo McFlurries. Not M&M McFlurries, but Oreo McFlurries. I, I'll take either. Mini M&Ms are also sublime, so I'll take either one. And I ordered it, and I knew I was going to have to share some of this ice cream. I was okay with that, right? I'm married now. i got to share some stuff. I'm cool with that. I took, like, two bites, and I handed it to Maddie so she could take a couple of bites. And when I looked over again, the thing was empty. And I looked at her and I said, I asked you if you wanted anything while we were in the drive-thru. You said no. I got back in line and got another one. <laughs> but I wasn't very happy in that moment because I'm greedy and I like my stuff. And I didn't want to share my stuff. I've learned a very valuable lesson that some of you men in here have probably learned years and years and years ago. Don't order a medium fry when you want that and your wife is with you. Order a large because she's going to eat some of them. And if you've got a hole this big that can only be filled by an Oreo McFlurry, you'd better buy a second one because it's only going to get filled about halfway. I'm greedy when it comes to my food. I eat what I want to eat. I like what I eat. 
I genuinely don't try to eat things I don't like outside of broccoli, which I got married. I didn't eat broccoli for years, and I got married, and it's Maddie's favorite vegetable. So here I am on a random Tuesday night eating broccoli. Ugh, it's awful. I just love my wife. I'm greedy when it comes to my food. I don't like to share. I don't. I ordered what I wanted. You order what you want. I'm okay with, ooh, can I try a bite of that? Yeah. I try a bite of Maddie sometimes, right? It's okay. But it was a part of me that God has worked in my life over the past couple of years to say, this is greed in your life. It's greed. I'll tell you one other one area that I'm very greedy in. I'm greedy with my time. It's my time. And I don't just mean, you know, me time where I'm relaxing. I mean my time in general. Most of you will know by now because... Um, I've said it to most of you, that if you want something done, if you want to meet with the pastor, if you want to bring something to church, anything like that, what is it you have to do? Call the office. You can no longer just talk to Pastor Sam and figure it out. You need to call the office Tuesday through Friday from 9 to noon sometime. I ask people to wait till about 9.30 because if, you're call, if the phone is ringing as we're walking in the door, the odds of us getting it are not good. So like 9.30 to about noon, you're almost guaranteed to get somebody. Almost guaranteed. It's not 100%, but pretty close. The other thing is, if it's Pastor Sam who picks up the phone and mom is not there, I'll write it down and put it on her desk. She is the one who makes the schedule for me. She is the one who makes the schedule for everything. That has been one of the hardest transitions I have ever walked through because I'm greedy about my time. And from every day of the week, essentially, I have to let my mom know what I'm doing so that she can put it on the calendar. So that if John calls and says, hey, I'd like to talk to Pastor Sam. Is he free today? She can go, yep, he's got an hour from one to two today. Does that work for you? Instead of going, I don't know what he's doing today. I'll schedule you in. And we'll see if he can meet with you. It's an actual good thing. I hated it. Despised it. Because it meant I had to be open with my time. My time. I'm 28 years old. I can make my own schedule. The truth is I can't make my own schedule. I double booked so many of you people and had to call and say, I'm so sorry, I have to meet with this person today. It's areas in my life that I have greed. Yeah, with money, it's not it. But I have other areas in my life. Number two on your note sheets. Number two on your note sheets. So that's the warning about being greedy. And then he tells this whole parable. Number two, what makes a fool? What makes a fool? He tells this whole parable about a gentleman, a farmer, who has this abundant crop. And his barns aren't big enough to hold all of this crop. So he has a couple options. Right? He could go to the market and try to sell all the surplus. He could give it away. I'm sure he knows people that are in need. Or three, he could build bigger barns and store it for himself. That's the option in this parable that this gentleman chooses. And after the barns are built and they're full of this food, he goes, I'm going to eat, drink, and be merry because I don't have a thing to worry about. And God says, you're a fool. Your life is required of you tonight. What makes him a fool? Is it that he's a really good farmer and had an abundant crop? God blessed him with an abundant crop. Not at all. Is it 
that he wants to store some of it away so that in case something goes wrong, he's got some. No, it's really not that either. It's that he was greedy and hoarded it all. You see, the fact of the matter is, it is not a bad thing to have a savings account, right? If we're going to bring it back to money. It's not a bad thing to have a savings account. It's not a bad thing. to. When Maddie and I got married, very quickly after we got married, our dishwasher broke. And I said, I don't really want to go back to washing dishes by hand. When it was just me, that's fine. It's three plates a day and a couple of forks, right? Nothing big. I don't really want to wash all those dishes by hand every day. We had a savings account. We were able to go buy a new dishwasher. It's a good thing. However, if you have a savings account because you don't trust that God can take care of you, you better get rid of every dollar that's in that thing. You see, the problem with this gentleman is he does not trust that God takes care of him. We read some of the verses that come after this, and I would challenge you to go and read them, all of them. Because the fact of the matter is, it is not about saving or anything like that. It is about what is your mindset behind it. Greed is not, I have a lot. Greed is, I have a lot, I want more because I don't trust my Savior. That's what greed is. And so here in this parable, this guy stores it all up, and he says, you're a fool. You don't trust me. You don't trust me. You see, working hard and getting ahead is not wrong. It's not. Taking a break to rest is not wrong. It's not. Greedily hoarding it is. And he asks the question, are you rich in the world or are you rich in God? Where are you rich? You can be rich in the world all you want to. What's the old saying, right? Can't take it with you when you go? You can't. I've be since I've become a pastor, I've done at least 20 funerals. There's never been anything in that casket except for the person and the clothes on their back. And those clothes don't go with them either. Doesn't matter. You don't take anything from this life with you when you go. So why hoard it? You see, I say it every single Sunday morning when I pray over the, the offering. God does not bless you strictly and only so you can be blessed. He blesses you primarily so you can bless other people. That is the primary reason for blessings in your life. So you can turn around and bless other people. Now I'm not saying you're praying diligently, right? Your furnace breaks and you're praying diligently for the money to fix your furnace. And God provides that money. I'm not saying you should just turn around and give that money to somebody else. I am saying that in that sort of instance, it means that when you have surplus and somebody says, boy, we really need this, you turn around and give it away from your surplus. You trust God. And sometimes, sometimes, in fact, quite often, God asks you to give not from your surplus. He just tells you to give. Right? It's just saying, give till it hurts. Keep giving after it hurts. Keep giving and giving and giving. So, let's apply it to our lives because we're, we're running a little late this morning because we did communion and we had the video. And mom's going to be yelling at me soon. Let's apply it to our lives. I ask you this question, what are you greedy for? Is it money? That's, I'm not saying it can't be money, and it very well might be. Is it your time, your resources, your energy, right, your food, whatever? What, and there's probably more than one thing. 
But what are you greedy about? See, you can't begin to get a handle on your greed. You can't begin to get a handle on any sin struggle until you recognize it and name it. Too often with sin, we go, well, it's just a little bit of, it's, it's a little bit of brokenness. It's not brokenness, you're dead. Christian artists wouldn't have as many hit songs if they stopped singing about how broken we are and started singing about how we're wretched, decrepit, dead things that God had to bring back to life. Caleb wouldn't exist anymore if those songs were the ones being written. You've got to name your sin openly, honestly. Call it what it is. Satan doesn't want you to because that's the first step to actually allowing God to get a handle on your sin with you. So what are you greedy for? And then practically, and I, I really struggled with the practical one here. I really struggled with it because I went, I don't want the practical uh, uh, um, application to just be, don't be greedy this week because everybody could come in and go, yeah, I wasn't greedy this week, but there's no way to prove that, right? The practical one, I want it to be something that is um, quantifiable. Raise a hands. How many of you play the lottery? <laughs> Alvin's back there going like this. I don't know. Church, I don't want to be too mean. The lottery is greed. That's all it is. I can get more. That's all it is. So, for those of you that do, this week, don't play the lottery. I don't care how big the Powerball or whatever it is. I don't care if it's a $1 scratch off or you spend $1,000 trying to win that thing. Don't play. For the rest of us, and for those of you that play the lottery, you can do this as well. I just, my dad mentioned the lottery one, so I figured I'd throw that one out there too. Because I talked to a couple of people, I went, I can't come up with a practical one. And this one was from mom, actually, so sorry, mom outranks dad. Um, I'm a mama's boy, what can I say? Here's your practical application this week. One person, choose one person, give to them. I don't care if it's money or what. Now, giving does not mean you give them something they don't want, right? I'm not going to give Maddie a steak and be like, Maddie, look at this. I'm so giving to you. She doesn't care about a steak. I bought her stuffed shells. I spent a lot of money on stuffed shells for her. She wants a McFlurry. Here's the thing. It's really difficult to give to her because she can just, our bank account is the same. She could just buy stuff. Either way, it doesn't have to be money, right? Give to somebody this week. May I make, uh, make a suggestion? If you're married, do it to your spouse. Give them something they want this week. Right? Give them something that they will actually enjoy this week. Right? If, it's, if you don't have a spouse, that's all right. You choose somebody else. That's fine. One person. You know, it doesn't have to be a billion, right? If God tells you to keep giving, keep doing it. But choose that one person. And maybe wait till closer to the end of the week to actually do the giving, because you might need to pray about the idea and come up with the idea, right? It doesn't have to be tomorrow. But do it. Give to somebody this week. And maybe, just maybe, give till it hurts a little bit. I'm not saying you have to write a check for $1,000, anything like that. But it's got to go out of your way. Giving is out of your way. Think about the person and give out of your way for them. Maybe it is. Maddie comes home from work with an Oreo McFlurry that way, that day, right? Maybe. maybe. I don't know. Yes. I'm sending, I'm sending singles. I hate shamrock shakes. 
I don't like mint. Um, either way, one person give to them this week. Would you pray with me? Father, I thank you that as I've prayed so many times, you don't give up on us in our sins, right? Whether it's greed, uh, lust, envy, anger, right? Whatever, right? You don't give up on us in our sins. But I thank you that you don't just say, well, you're fine. No. You want us to keep growing. I thank you for the warning that we must be on guard. And not just against greed, but against every sin. We have to be on guard. I pray that you would help us to be on guard. That you would strengthen our resolve. I pray that you would show us where we're being greedy in our lives so that we can actively work against those things. And lastly, Father, well, not second, second to lastly, I ask for each one of us that you would show us exactly the person we're supposed to give to and exactly how to give to them, to make a real impact for them. And then lastly, Father, I ask for safety for all of us throughout our week. And it's in the name of your Son that we pray, amen and amen.